Pastor Tom, if you don't know? Some of you guys know, some of you guys don't. Well, hell, here I am. Um, but we're going through a series called Coming Home. And I think this is a very important series because, you know, home, we think, especially Christmas time, don't you think about home? Some people travel to go home. Um, you guys have the Christmas tree and whatever, the, the eggnog, and you have the warm and fuzzies. Come on. I got my own preaching music. Awesome. And it's just, the, it, you get that homey feel here. And the reason why we call it coming home is because, isn't Jesus good? Don't you feel at home with Jesus? When you found Jesus, you feel like, oh, I'm at home. As I know a Savior that loves me, has unfailing love, and, and has this incredible plan for my life. And don't you guys love coming to church? I hope you guys love to come to Hope Chapel, Coney Bay. This is your home. I feel home here because, I mean, look around. Look to your left and your right. Those are some good people. Maybe you're like, no, they're not him. I don't not sure. Th then you should feel at home. But here, we're not talking about the warm fuzzies and feeling comfortable. We're actually talking about this coming home series. It's about going out there and calling people home to Jesus. Because the feeling that we have, shouldn't we share it? Shouldn't, we should never hoard it to ourselves. We should have this, because it feels so good to be with Jesus. We should be like, Man, I have family members that don't know that feeling. I have friends that don't know. There's a world out there. There's a community that doesn't know Jesus. And we have to go out there and call them home. And that's why this whole thing is coming home. And Pastor Carl uh, talked about it last week, that we got to have a heart for the lost. And I'm hoping, please be ready to answer this. Hope Chapel, Kanyoi Bay, do we have a heart for the lost? Yeah. I hope we do. We should. We should, and when I mean lost, I hope you're feeling the lost. Well, you know what? Because we're found. Jesus found us. Thank you. We were lost, and we are found. And if you're here thinking, well, what does that mean? You're checking Jesus out. Welcome. Welcome. I hope you are just, I hope you get interested. I hope you get inspired. I hope you fi uh, find out what Jesus is all about. And we love the fact that you're here checking Jesus out. But here's the thing. Because we have a heart for the lost, shouldn't we have, and I think this is very important, Shouldn't we have the right approach? I have one answer. I'm, I'm, uh, there's a bunch of you here. Shouldn't we have the right approach? Because if we have a heart for the, if we want people to come to Jesus Christ, we should really get our approach right. Because let's be honest here. People who follow Jesus, who claim to be Christians, come on. Some of us have had the bad, a bad approach. Can I just throw that out there? That it's actually chased people away from Jesus and it wasn't come home. It was like, oh no, my home, you, you can't handle my home. It was kind of an attitude of, don't, no, it's exclusive. I'm sorry, the church of Christ should have open arms. It should be inclusive, not exclusive. And so when, when we come, when we um, call people home, we should have the right approach. Now think about it, Who, who's married here? Come on, a lot of people married. And if you're, this is some good advice. If you're gonna get married, if you really, really want something and you have to ask your spouse to, to have that thing happen, don't you make sure you come at the right approach? Yes. Don't you make sure your approach is right because you might not get it. <laughs> Believe me, I've experienced this, right? And so the other day on Monday, I'm going to talk a little louder because it's raining or should I move to the handheld? I don't know. Uh, 
The other day on Monday, it's winter time, so the weather's all nice. The trades die out, so on the winter side, it gets all glassy, doesn't it? It's like nice, and so, so this kind of weather means good surf. Any surfers out there? Come on. This kind of weather means surf is good, and on Monday morning, I could smell it in the air. I'm like, surf is good. Surf is real. Crouchings is really good. I'm going to take this off. I'm going this. Hello. There you go. And I, was, I could smell it in the air. I was like, well, ooh, I want to surf today. And Carl calls me up. So you want to surf? I'm all, yeah, I want to surf. The only problem was I had kid duty. I, my, my time to watch the kids is from like 7 o'clock when they wake up or 6 or 5. Either one, I don't know. Until a certain time. I have to watch the kids because my wife needs to sleep. And so I made sure that I came at the right approach to ask my wife to go surfing. I could have pulled out Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 says, the wives must submit. By the way, it also says the husbands must submit as well. But I could have pulled out Ephesians 5. Woman! Surf is a calling. You must submit to me, your husband, the head of the household. I need, I need some release. I need some time to myself. I could have just shook her up and go, you are watching the kids right now. It's your shift. But no, I made sure I had the right approach. And so you know what I did? Kind of like, hey, Grace, how you doing? And I made sure I said this. Carl wants to go surfing. Carl, your pastor, my boss, I have to do this. I'm so sorry. I, I made sure I, and my wife told me, it's like, she always lets me go surfing. So praise God, I have a wonderful wife that does that. But uh, I came with the right approach. Isn't the right approach, it's necessary at times. Let's put it this way. If we have a heart for the lost, if we really want people to come to Jesus Christ, shouldn't we have the right approach? This is something that's been on my heart for a long time since I even became a Christian. Back in the 80s, I was like, I was like, I was struggling with the, the idea of approach, and I didn't even know I was struggling with the idea of approach. Because back in the 80s, when I was a kid, I was a junior higher, I thought an evangelist, an evangelist is someone who goes out and preaches the word of God and gets people to come and come to Jesus. I thought they had to be loud and brash, and they had to, come on, 80s people, they had to wear the Choose Jesus shirt. Anybody remember that? And you had to wear that. You had to look like wham, but a Christian wham, whatever it was. And you had to have a certain look and you had to act a certain way. And I wasn't that. I was a short little Filipino like, how you doing? I, I, I wasn't that person. And plus, when I went to mid-pack, any mid-pack people? Silence. Okay, cool. Well, two people. When I went to mid-pack, I hung out. My friends were the outcasts. I mean, I told you before I wanted to be a metalhead. So those were all my friends. I hung out with the metalheads, the punk rockers, the skaters, the surfers. And these people didn't want the choose Jesus going, hi, how you doing? You got to know the Lord. They, they were going to reject. If I came at that angle, they would reject me. I wouldn't be part of their club anymore. And so I actually did something that was wrong. I actually did nothing. I did the exact opposite. You know what? I can't be the evangelist that I'm supposed to be because that's what it's supposed to look like. And so I, I did something wrong. I actually blended in and I did nothing. And it wasn't bold about my, and sometimes I said this and sometimes, but I was shy. I didn't want to lose my friends. And I actually kind of hunkered down and I wasn't a witness. I wasn't bold. And when I came out of high school, I was actually convicted about that. I was like, you know what? I'm a Christian. I was like, I was thinking of my friends. I'm like, man, I could have brought some of my friends to the Lord. 
And so when what happened was when I went to college, I decided I, I, I got to change things up. I actually have to step out. And the cool thing was is I still hung out with the outcasts in college. You know, I, every day, anybody went to UH? Hung out at the campus center for lunch. And that's what I did every single day. And I hung out with the punk rockers and the metalheads. And these are still my friends. And I hung out with them every single day. But I decided, I'm like, you know what? I am a Christian and I'm going to share Jesus Christ. I'm going to take every opportunity I can in, in the right way. I don't have to be the crazy. I realize that I can be myself because at that time I looked pretty nuts. Actually, I, I had leopard skin head hair. I had dyed hair. I was a punk rocker. That's when um, Kanani Carl's wife used to call me Dirty Tom because I didn't bathe for a couple of days straight. I was just that was just that was me. That was who I was back in the day. But that was my friends. That was the crew. And so I had one friend that I would. I really the Lord was like, you know what? Hey, pour into him. I think he might be interested in Jesus. I'm okay. So I took every opportunity. I just talked about Jesus and I talked about, you know, going to church and what I'm doing this weekend. And, and sometimes we got into a couple of debates. I mean, come on, that's what you do in college, right? You talk about evolution and creationism and you talk very intellectually, but you're really not that smart. You're just trying to, you're just copying stuff that you heard at class and you're just like, oh, blue, 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 blue. And then, you know, whatever it was. And, and I was so stoked that I was actually taking steps of faith and actually showing who I was in Christ. But here's what I was bummed about. I wasn't sure if I was doing anything right. I wasn't sure if I was bearing fruit. I don't know if this guy was coming into the Lord or not. And I was just like, okay, but I was, it was a slow process. I sat there every single day and we hung out every single day. And then I remember there was a group of, uh, Christians that came to the campus center. It happens sometimes. There's a whole group of they, the evangelists, and they're very bold. They're from another church, and uh, they were coming on really, really strong. I mean, they're telling, they're talking about hell, and like it was like a, a, a short of being hell and, and fire and brimstone. And it was like very condemning, actually. And and at that point, I got a little nervous because I was with my friends, I was with my crew, and I was the only Christian, and they knew that. And I was like, ooh, I, I'm one of them. And I was like, I got nervous. I was like, uh, uh. and I saw one of the guys come to me and to my friend who was sitting there. And he kind of came with that attitude. It was, it was, a, it was kind of a bad approach. And, and I knew my friend would not listen. And I remember just saying, I was so nervous, but I was like, oh, I'm already a Christian. So the guy totally ignored me and just focused on my friend. And all, I don't remember what he said, but I knew my friend was like, Enough of this. I don't even want to hear this anymore. And the guy did his spiel and he walked away. And, and I'm not, please don't get me wrong. I'm not this. I'm, I'm sure people came to the Lord from what they did. And I blessed that ministry. But I, I realized that my friends aren't going to come to Jesus with that approach. And then my friend afterwards, after the guy left, he said something really interesting. And I still remember this to this day. And it, it gave me a little bit of hope. He said this. He turned to me. He's like, you know what? I would never, ever go to that guy's church. But you know what? I'd go to yours. And I was like, I was like, something's working. I was doing something. And I realized that I could be me and share Jesus Christ. I could have a right approach. I don't have to be a certain mold of what an evangelist is. And we have to have the right approach. And you know who had the best approach? You know, always had the right approach? Jesus Christ. Didn't Jesus always come with the right approach? I mean, think about it. He was God. I mean, here's his approach from the beginning. That's what we're celebrating Christmas for. His approach was, I am God, but I'm going to come down to your level. I'm going to become human. 
I'm going to get to know you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to disciple you. I'm going to bring healing into your life. And think about it because Jesus never, ever watered down the gospel because he was the gospel. He was the good news. He can't water down himself. But he didn't condemn people. He didn't judge people. He didn't shun people away. He didn't say, you can't hold up to my standard. Actually, if you read the gospel, who hung out with him? Who was attracted to him? Notorious sinners. Prostitutes. Sinners were drawn to him. Why? Because he brought salvation. Actually, in, in, in John 3.17, which is after John 3.16, obviously. Because John, yeah. <laughs> I don't have to tell you that. John 3, 17 says this, and this is Jesus' approach. And this is why people were drawn to him. It says this, God sent his son, him, Jesus. God sent Jesus into the world, not to judge the world out, but to save the world. Come on, let's give a hallelujah for that. He didn't come to judge, he came to save. That was his attitude from the beginning. I've come to save you. And the sinners and the notorious people, tax collectors, prostitutes, they realized that. They looked at Jesus and go, wait a minute. Yeah, you're, whoa, there's something real special about you, and you're holy, but you're approachable. His right approach made him approachable. Our right approach should make us approachable. People should approach us. And so, and Jesus actually told us what our approach should be. He actually addressed the believers, the people they're going to follow. In Matthew 5, if you want to turn there, Matthew 5, verse 13 says this. This is what Jesus wanted us to do, our approach. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now here Jesus is telling us what, what, it, what should be our approach as people who love Jesus. What's our approach? We should be salt and we should be light. How many guys know how important salt and light are to this world? I mean, okay, one person, cool. Um, I've told this before, but I've read the book. Of, anybody read the book on salt? Like it was just called Salt, and it was like the history of salt. And I, I know, you're like, why did you read that? Salt is amazing. You're, you can't live without salt. Can you know that? It's more than just, oh, my food is bland. No, your body needs a certain amount of salt to live, to be healthy. Um, uh, salt preserves things. Before refrigeration, it preserves things. That's why we could eat. It actually brings healing to your body. Salt is something that life, we can't live without salt in our lives. Light, come on, can I, do, I, do I need to preach about light? We need light. We're experiencing it right now. It takes away the darkness. It helps us out. And the, the great thing about this verse, and you have to put it in that perspective, that Jesus said to us that we, as salt and light of the world, need to be that valuable in the world that we're in. Are you getting that? We need to be as valuable as salt and light. People who love Jesus. Why? Because anywhere we go, we make it better. We give flavor to the world. We, we, we bring light to the world. We have to be useful. It has to have a, 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 
it has to better your world. And don't you think that Jesus is saying, you know what, go out in the world and make your world better. Where your influence is, you're going to make a difference. Because I, I really believe this. Jesus didn't call us to be salt and light. And I think a lot of Christians, um, and I don't want to offend anybody, but a lot of Christians think that just being salt and light is going to gain brownie points for God. Which means I'm going to be salt. Woo! I'm going to throw the salt out. Woo, there it is. I'm going to wear my Choose Jesus shirt. I'm going to be the light. There it is. And if we don't care about the approach, you know what? The ultimate result of being salt and the, uh, and the light, isn't it to bring people to Jesus Christ? Isn't it to be useful? I want to share you guys another perspective. Here's a video that uh, uh, you're going to watch. And it's a perspective of someone that actually doesn't go to our church. Check this out. Every Sunday I see you guys come in here from your church. And don't get me started on your tipping. Girls got to eat, right? It's just a little server humor there. But seriously, I don't know everything that goes on in there, but I know something does because I hear you. Every time I drop by your table, I hear how great the message was from the pastor and how you wish more people would hear it. Well, I don't go to your church, so how am I going to hear it? All I got is you. So are you going to share it with me or just hope I stumble through the doors of your church with my sinful self? Well, since I have you here right now, I guess I can talk to you since it seems like you're not ready to talk to me. Oh, but you're ready to judge me. My hair, my clothes, my language, my music. I know that you don't mean for it to come across that way, but you have to see how it looks from my side. You think I have a problem, that my life needs fixing, that there's something missing in it and you have it, or at least you know what can fill that missing part. Okay, yeah, there's a part of my life that needs to be filled with something, but believe me, I've tried. I've tried to figure out what would make me happy. I've tried to figure out what would, I don't know, not make me feel like I'm worthless. Okay, so I'm not the greatest of people, but if I'm so lost and so far gone, aren't you the one that's supposed to help me? Aren't you the one with this so-called good news that is supposed to tell me the truth? Because what I've been trying is not working. And I need to know that there is more than just coming in here every day, serving you your coffee and pancakes to your lovely family. I need to know that there is more to my life than this. And guess what? You have to be the one because no one else is saying the things you say. How much do you have to hate someone to keep what you have to yourself and your family? How much do you have to like your own comfort to leave me to myself? I need you. Okay, I said it. And if you think that that was easy for me to say, then you try living my life. I need you to pursue me. I need you to set aside your comfort and pursue me because I'll run. When I get scared, I run and you have to come after me. You have to follow me into the darkness and show me the way out because you were there once. You went from death to life. And I know that those are your words, but if it's true, then this is more important than your safety and your ego. Oh, I'm still gonna call you a Bible thumper and I'm probably gonna make fun of you. 
but don't give up on me. Okay, talk it over. I've got tables. It's your move. Is that convicting or what? So I'm going to watch that. One of the great things she said, um, I really love this perspective, is, let me find the quote here. She says, aren't you the one that's supposed to help me? Aren't you the one with this so-called good news that is supposed to tell me the truth? And if we're really, need, if we're really wanting to be salt and light, Shouldn't it be helpful? Shouldn't the good news we present be good? And the question begs is, is the good news, which is already good, seriously, what Jesus did on the cross, died for us, gave us life, that is good, amen? But the way we come and the way we present it, does it present good? Are we presenting it good? Are we presenting something that is helpful or is it judging? Are we presenting something that is saving and bringing salvation to them and bringing healing and restoration to them? Or is it condemning them? And if we need to change our approach, if we need to change something, I love what Pastor Carl said last week. We either got to turn it down, uh, turn it down, turn it down, no, tone it down, sorry. I want to quote him right. We got to tone it down or turn it up. It's either we got to adjust whatever it is so that we are truly salt and light that is helpful, that is useful, that is bringing healing, that is bringing the salvation of Jesus Christ. So I have a, a couple of, of advice for you guys, um, just two, but there's some points in there. And this will help you to have the right approach. And this has worked in my life. I've seen it worked in other people's lives, but we have to have the right approach. And the first piece of advice I want to give you is that you would be you. Isn't that comforting? That you should be who you are in Jesus Christ. You don't have to be anybody else. Come on, can I get an amen for that? That's the one thing I struggle with in high school. It's like I got to be that certain person. I have to be that certain personality. No, God will use you. Why? Because there's someone out there that's going to look at you and go, I relate to that guy. I understand that guy. And the only difference between you and him is you got Jesus and he doesn't. And you have to embrace the fact that God made you a certain way. And here's the thing. Here's, here's one thing why it's important that you got to be you. Because there's no other you. You are wonderfully made. You are it. God broke the mold. Boom. That's it. I mean, look at, look at me. There's only one me. Look at you. There's only one you. There's personalities, hobbies, um, humor, whatever it is. And there's someone that's going to, because you, they're going to look at you and they're the only one. The, the common denominator is you. And like I said, the only difference is Jesus. One of the best evangelists I knew, she was in my mini church. She, did, she brought people to the Lord. And it was amazing. I was so blown away by it. But she was one of the shyest people I've ever known. She would come to mini church. And how many guys are Seinfeld fans? The, the, the soft talker? She was one of those soft talkers like, huh? Like, hello, hi. It's great to be in mini church. So, so good. You know, she was a soft talker. I was like, let's speak up. You know, and we would go to mini church and we'd do praise reports and everyone's doing the praise reports. And I'm just blown away by this one praise report she had one time. She's like, oh, yeah, so I want to praise the Lord. Um, I, I, brought my Lord uh, I brought my co-worker to Jesus this week. 
uh, like, really? Like, wow, how'd you do this? Like, well, I just gave her a ride uh, home from work, and I just said, um, do you know Jesus? And she said, no. And I said, do you want to know Jesus? She said, yes. And then I prayed, and she accepted the Lord. And I was just like, I haven't done that. I've never done that. I've never brought to the Lord in five minutes. Like, it was incredible. And so uh, the cool thing about it was uh, the, the week after that, miniature happened, she brought her friend that she brought to the Lord. And so we went around and introduced herself, and she's like, hi, I'm Jeanette. She was just like her. This quiet introvert. Hello, how are you doing? So we have two soft talkers in our mini church now. She brought all the soft talkers to the Lord. Who are you? Who, where's your influence? Who are the people like you that you can bring to Jesus Christ? Because there's only one you. I can't go in there. It's like, oh, just give it to Pastor Tom. I'll, I'll send him in there and he gets to save every, all my friends. No, you got the connection. You got the relationship. You got the common denominator. The second thing that helps uh, to be you is that, like I said, and I already said this, but it makes you relatable. It makes you relatable. I just, I, it's so important that we are relatable, that we are real people. Because so many times I've been turned off by Christians well-intentioned Christians, but you know what I get from them? This vibe, come on. Let's be honest here. This vibe is, I'm holier than you. I'm, whole, I'm going to heaven and you're going to hell. Or my mansion's going to be bigger than yours. Can we get rid of that? Can we re- get rid of that, the holier-than-thou thing? Because you know why? We were lost, but now we were found. We were in the darkness and now we are in the light. And I love what she said. Aren't you the one that's supposed to walk me out of the darkness? Because you were there once. We have to be relatable. One of the, I said this before, but I remember, you know, I'm, I'm referring back to my old days because, you know, as a pastor, I hang around Christians all day. I miss the days when I could actually, wow, be around people that, that need the Lord. And so I remember one person um, they came to our church, and this is one of my punk rock days, and I had leopard skin head, and I was this dirty Tom, and I was just like, whatever it was. And this guy came up to me, came to our church, and he looked like us. He looked like my friends. I was like, that's pretty cool. This guy's coming to our church. He introduced himself to me, and he started talking. He's all, you know what? I came to the Lord because of you and your friends. I'm like, wow, really? What did we do? What did we, did I pray for you at one time? Was I nice to you? What, what is this? No, man, I just looked at you and I said, man, if Jesus could love you, he could love me. And I was like, that's not a compliment. What you? I was like, I'm slightly offended right now. But he looked like us. You know why? He saw someone's like, wow, if Jesus could save those guys, Jesus could save. There's someone looking at you going, whoa, I can relate to you. Here's, let me move on. (laughs) I want to tell you something that happened on Friday night. But the third thing uh, of being yourself is, is really important is that you have a story to tell. Which means you have a personal experience with Jesus Christ. You might not know the scriptures, you might not know theology, but guess what? You have a miracle, and the miracle that you have is salvation. It's salvation. There's something, and there's something in your life that you went through, that God pulled you out of, that only you have. It's your story. And please, don't discount it, because right now you're probably, maybe some of you guys, I got a lame story. 
your story is I grew up in church, then I came to Jesus. That's a story because you came to Jesus Christ. That's a good story. Maybe it's not as dramatic as someone else's, but it's a good story. Don't discount your own story. But this is what happened on, um, on Friday night. I think this is amazing. There was a guy that came up from Hinamaka, the, the drug rehab, and he just lost one of his kids. Just lost one of his kids because passed away. I'm not sure how, what happened. And he came up here, and Ernie uh, uh, was like, you know what? I know someone who has, is going through the same, who went through the same thing that you just went. He found someone that had lost their child in our church. And they sat together in service. And that guy who came to church was crying, bawling the whole time, just crying. At the end of the service, when I did the salvation prayer, you know what he did? He became a Christian. He became born again. (laughs) Gave his life to the Lord. More than that, you know what he did? Immediately he went outside and he got baptized. Isn't that cool? It's because he found someone he could relate to. He, he found someone with the same story as him, but the difference was is this guy had Jesus and peace. And he's all, you know what? I need some of that. And he got some of it. And that was, that's a coming home to me. That's a welcome home to Jesus Christ. I think it's so important that you, you know your story and that you're ready to tell it at any moment. Because there's somebody out there that, that, that's struggling. They go, you know what? I, you know, I know what you're going through. I went through that. You have a story to tell. The second piece of advice I want to give you is, other than being you, is that you would ask for help. Come on, there's no Lone Ranger Christians out here, amen? That's why we come to church. We get the support. And there's three things I want to tell you, the help that you can get. Uh, First of all, the obvious one is other Christians, other people, other brothers and sisters in the Lord. Maybe you're their co-workers or maybe they have the same hobby as you. And so you can actually, well, it's like, you know, like my friends, uh, the punk, my, my punk rock friends that we were hanging out and, and going to the shows and we were Christians and we were shining the light over there because you get support and you get prayer and you get encouragement. You, also, you know what else you get? You get accountability if you're going a little bit too far. If you're like in the world and you're trying to salt the world and they're salting you more, it happens sometimes. You have friends that can keep you accountable. They can keep you accountable. Have other Christians. I mean, think about it. Jesus had the same thing, didn't he? Jesus had the disciples. He didn't do it by himself. He could have done it by himself. He was the son of God. And then when he sent the disciples out, what did he do? He sent them in pairs. He sent them by two. Paul did it. Paul had Barnabas. And wherever they went, they went in pairs. And they had that support. The other thing you need uh, to ask, uh, a place where you can ask for help is the word of God. Know the Bible. I know we say that a lot here, but can't we say it? And I mean, we, we, have, we have to repeat that, is that we have to know the word of God because when the rubber meets the road and we're sharing the gospel, one of the best things you can do is to know the truth about Jesus Christ, is to have things in your brain, the promises of the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Ephesians 2, 10, uh, we are saved by grace, by, by faith, and it's a gift from God. Those are great scriptures to know that when you, when you approach someone, it's like, here's the truth that I get to spout off. And maybe you don't know exactly what they are, but you know the gist of it. You know the truth. You know what, the forgiveness and the mercy and, and what it can offer to that person. You know that. So know the word of God. And the last thing, the last uh, thing that you should ask for help uh, and go to help, get help is, is to ask the helper. You know who the helper is? 
Well, let me tell you who the helper is. It's the capital helper. It says John 14, 26. Let's turn there. John 14, verse 26. And this is Jesus talking. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to, rem- to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Who is the helper? The Holy Spirit. And I want to just really press on this is because whenever you go out and you have a, a heart for the lost, make sure you go with the Holy Spirit. Make sure you have the helper. And when I mean the helper, I'm talking the unlimited resources and power of God. That's what you're tapping into. And what I mean this is it's, it's, the, it's the miracles. It's the power of healing. It's the power of prophecy. It's the power of, of having words of knowledge. And I know I'm, I don't want to like freak you guys out. here. It's like, what is all that? And I don't know how to do it. But God wants to give us power to actually be effective witness for him. Actually, in Acts 1.8, he says this. This is right before Jesus ascended to heaven after he was crucified and resurrected. He, and he said one of the last things he said to the, his disciples, he said this. But you will receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What I love about the scripture is, is that, you know, a lot of us want to have power for the sake of power. Go, ooh, I can, I can have, I can pray for someone to get healed, or I have the gift of prophecy, or I have the gift of whatever it is. But Jesus says clearly is the reason why he gives that power is to be his witness. You have to, you have to know that, is that when I, when the rubber meets the road and I have to tell people of Jesus, Jesus will be there. The Holy Spirit will give you the power. I mean, think about what Jesus did when he was on earth. He preached the word. But what did he do? He healed people. He delivered people from demons. He forgave people. He gave them words. He gave them encouragement. I mean, think about, think about this, this scenario right here. Someone you know that doesn't know the Lord and they're sick. And you go, hey, you know what, can I pray for you? And they're like, oh, well, that's kind of weird. Okay, well, yeah, let me pray for you. Imagine if you pray for them and they get healed. Jesus completely heals them. Don't you think it'd be easier to witness to them after that point? Because they're going to be like, your God is real. Your Jesus is the real deal. He can do that. Let's be a church that delivers the message and the miracles. Amen? Let's be that kind of church. And, and, I, and I know some of you guys are going, well, how, do you, how do you do that? How do you tap into that? I don't know. And I, I, I hope you guys, you know, just like, I don't know how to do the praying for per- people. or I don't know how to prophesy. Here's where I really believe that we kind of discredit the, the Holy Spirit and the power that he can give us is that actually he gives us the power to have the right approach to actually have the sensitivity to either come on strong or to back up or to have the right angle. He gives us this, this, this genius. Whenever Jesus talked to like the Pharisees or to anybody, it's amazing the stuff that he came up with. And I really believe this. He had the genius of the Holy Spirit. Shouldn't we tap into the genius of the Holy Spirit before we share the Lord with someone? One of the best examples I have is, let's turn to Acts 17. And this is a great story about actually having the right approach. And this is Apostle Paul. And he was traveling to Athens and he was on his mission. He was going around 
starting churches and all that. And he was in Athens. And what happened was he was walk, walking around Athens. And he saw all these idols. I mean, if you guys know mythology and all that, there was like Zeus and, and all that. And they, you know, the people just worshiped all these statues and all these man-made things. And what happened was, while he was walking around the city, it says here in Acts 17, is that he was deeply troubled. He was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. It troubled him. I mean, how, how many of you guys have ever walked around like Kanyoi, like, this troubles me? You're walking around, you're telling like, this troubles me. I mean, a lot of Christians, this, 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 whoa, I don't want that. I don't like that. And that's what was, was kind of happening to him. He was like, this really bothers me. So he did something about it. He went to the, 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 the temple over there and he started talking about it. He started debating with people. And what happened was he was, you know, people were like, these are really strange ideas. I mean, back in the day, think about, we know the story about Jesus right now, but think about when the story of Jesus first came out. Think how, like, this guy died for your sins and then he resurrected. Res- resurrected. That's strange. And so people are like, going, what's up with this guy? So they actually were so interested. They took Paul to the high council, the leaders of, of the city of Athens. They took him in front of them, and they're like, tell us your strange ideas. And I hear he had an opportunity to do something. He had an opportunity to share the gospel. And I want to say this. He better get that right approach. Right? Amen? He better have done it right. And if you recall, he was deeply troubled, right? So, you know, as Christians, think about Christians today that are deeply troubled about stuff. Sometimes we go, we're going we're gonna to pick it, we're going to get angry, and we're going to protest, and whatever it is, we're going to get political about it. Did he go that route? Actually, let's go to Acts 17, verse 22. This is really interesting of what his approach was when he came before the high council in Athens. In verse 22, it says this. So Paul, standing before the council... Address them as follows. Men of Athens, I noticed that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it. To an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. And I'm going to stop there. If you read that whole chapter, he keeps going and telling people about Jesus. He starts preaching the word of God. But the most amazing thing is he came at it with the right approach, didn't he? What did he he start off with? Hey guys, did he start off with, you guys are worshiping demons. Let's smash all these idols. You guys are wrong. Did he do that? No, he actually complimented them. He's all, you know what, guys? I noticed one thing. You guys are very religious, which means you do something that is, wow, you, 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 you give these idols worth. But here's one thing I've noticed. There's this one God that you guys see every single day. So you notice he came to their level. He talked about something that they knew. I noticed one thing, this unknown God. This inscription on it. You don't even know who he is. You don't have a name for it, for him. But guess what? And I love this this approach. Guess what? I personally know him. I personally talk to him. He gives me instruction. And I'm wondering, they thought, whoa, those other gods that I worship, they don't do anything. All I do is just give them food. (laughs) And I say something, and I I don't have that. 
I'm really sure that it piqued their interest. They're like, whoa, wait a minute. He made it personal. Then he talked about Jesus. And in verse 32, it says this, Acts 17, verse 32. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt. But others said, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them, but some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysus, a member of the council, a woman named Demarius, and others with them. I think this is really interesting because did everyone become a believer? No. Actually, some, some of them mocked him because he talked about the resurrection. They're like, raising from the dead? or what, what is that about? You know what? That's okay. If you come with the right approach and they still mock you and they still reject it, you, you know what they're doing? They're rejecting the message. They're rejecting the fact that Jesus died for them and resurrected and they don't understand it yet. And that's okay. But the most amazing thing is, did some come to the Lord? Yeah, they did. They came and they're like, you know what? I want to hear more about this later. I love that because of the fact that isn't that our goal? As being salt and light, as we show Jesus, don't we want to pique people's interest for Jesus Christ? Because we're making their, their life better or they're looking at us and going, what's going on with that person? What, what's different with you? You're like me. You like the fish. I like the fish but you're happier and peace, more peaceful. What's going on? I want that. I need that. And I love what that woman said in that video. I need you to chase after me. I need you to help me. I need you to be that salt and light. Can we do that, church? Can we do that, church? Can we do that with the right approach and call people home to Jesus Christ? Let's do it. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, I just pray that we would be a church that would be truly, truly, truly salt and light. Not salt that has lost its flavor, but salt that brings flavor, that brings healing, that brings restoration to the people that don't have him, have you. Lord, that we wouldn't put our light under a basket, or that our light will be dimmed by our wrong approach. Lord, I just pray that we would hold tightly to your word and to your message, but we would hold loosely to the way we deliver it. That if our approach needs to be changed, Lord, change it in us. If we need to tone it down, let us tone it down. If we need to turn it up, let us turn it up. Whatever we need to do so that our salt and our light is useful and is pointing people to you, God. I wanna say one more prayer for anybody here. I've been talking about Jesus a lot and maybe you're brand new and maybe you're just checking out this Jesus. Maybe you're the very person that we've been saying, you know, we wanna call you home and, and maybe Jesus has been calling you. Maybe Jesus is saying, come home to me. I love you. I know you. I know your heart. I know what you've been through. And Jesus is saying, all I, all I want you is to tell me that you believe in me. That's what Jesus is saying, that you would believe in that he died on the cross for you, that he resurrected from the grave by the power of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, you are forgiven. You are set free. 
You're given a new life. That's the home we're experiencing here. That's the home we're talking about. And he's been calling on you for a while. And if that's you, and if you want to become today a Christian, born again follower of Jesus Christ, I'm going to say a prayer in a a minute or so. But all I ask is that you tell me that you want to pray with me. So I'm going to count the three. And when I hit three, all I ask is that you raise your hand. And by raising your hand, you're saying, Pastor Tom, I want to become a Christian. I want to tell Jesus personally that he is my Savior, that I believe he died for me, that I want him to forgive my sins and give me a new life, that I want to come home to him. That's really what you're going to be praying in the next couple of minutes. So if that's you, I'm going to count to three. Just raise your hand and tell me you want to pray with me. Here we go. One, two, three. Anybody here, just raise your hand. Just lift your hand up. We got one. Anybody else? Anybody else? Got two. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? Yeah. Anybody else? It's an incredible decision for Jesus. Anybody else? We got three. Awesome. Praise God. Praise God. Come to Jesus Christ. He's calling you home. Oh, praise God. Anybody else? Best decision you'll ever make. Thank you for that. Oh, awesome. Okay, say this prayer with me like it's your own, just under your breath. Just make this personal prayer to him. Lord Jesus, I come before you, and I am so sorry that I have ignored you, and I've run away from you, but now I'm coming home. I'm, I'm coming to you, and I'm saying, Jesus, I believe what you did on the cross for me. I believe that you died. I believe that you rose again from the grave three days later, and because of that, I am forgiven. I am set free. You bring healing into my life. I accept all that, and I give you my life right now. I will follow you. I am a born-again follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for being my Lord and my Savior and my friend. I thank you. In Jesus' precious name, we all say amen. Amen. Let's give these people a hand.